Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. I went to go get a checkup for my yearly. The, the radiologist, I knew something was, was going on because, you know, they kept on coming back and back. And so then they said they had to um, send me to see the doctor. And then from the doctor, I went to the surgeon because they said that they had seen something there. I thought, oh, no. And I remember I called right away, you know. I called um, the sisters there from church. And I told them, I said, you know, this is what's happening. And I'm scared. And, you know, I know what it could be. I says, I I want prayer. They started praying. And I prayed like I had never, ever prayed, talking to God. So I sat there in the mobile unit because they brought it in from San Antonio. And this mobile unit is high equipped, you know, with all the equipment and everything. So as I was walking in, I saw the x-rays, how they put them, you know, against the wall on there. The one that, you know, line, uh, lights up. And so there was, they had them circled. There was one here in the middle and one on the side. I lay down and I remember that the technician was doing all the scans again and everything and um, you know she did about I don't know how many series four or five she told me she says I don't see anything I says what she says I do not see anything so he went there and he says well you do it this way do one more do it this way different kind of positions and he finally told me well Maria just sit up he said, it's a miracle, they're gone. I sat up, I said, oh, thank you, Lord. He said, yeah, he said, it's a miracle. I wanna tell you that, you know, I always knew there, there was a God, but one so powerful. I learned that day just how mighty and how powerful he can be. Nothing is impossible for God. Jesus is our healer, and I've come a long ways, and so I know who I need to turn to all the time. Amen. I like what she said. They said, it's a miracle. Of course it is. That's what God does. Amen. I love that our God is a miracle-working God. Amen. And he's still alive and doing miracles today. I just want to encourage you that. He's not dead. He's not closed up his miracle shop. He's still working today. And he is a faithful God. Let's give one more just thank you, God, for being a God of miracles. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. We love that. Really, really hope in the course of this series that you get that settled in your heart. We face and experience so many things in this fallen and perfect world that just quite frankly, we need God to intervene. And sometimes these are only hope and He is interested in every area of our life. I just want you to know that. And he's no respecter of persons. He loves you and wants to move and work on your behalf. And we, again, here at Tree Life, believe God is still a miracle-working God. He is alive today. 
I want to encourage you uh, as we uh, get ready for this for today's message, just to open your heart up. I don't, I don't know what you've been facing. I don't know what's going on in your life. God does. God knows. And, uh, but I know that he wants to move and work on your behalf. When I look at the testimony and I see this wonderful couple that have been here and serving so faithfully, I, I just want you to know that God loves you as much as he loves them. Amen. And so many times we sit and we wonder, what about me, God? Or how come them and not me? Or I've been praying, standing, believing. It may even seem so easy to somebody else or it just doesn't make sense in our own brain or mind. I want you to listen to the word of God and base your life and faith on what the word says, not what your own mind or feelings or emotions or what those around about you would say. There is no argument against a miracle. You can't logic or reason God away when it comes to miracles, amen? Because a miracle trumps an argument every day. I love that God loves to do things that just cannot be explained and that he is so good and faithful to us and to his word. Turn to Psalm 77. We're gonna dive right in. We are in uh, a series called Miracles, simply entitled Miracles. We started a few weeks ago. Then we had the Easter miracle at Easter and we talked last week about calming the storm and today we're gonna talk about unmet expectations. Now, that sounds kind of funny for our miracle title, but bear with me. Um, we're gonna look at Psalms 77, 14, kind of our foundational verse for the, for the series. It says this, you are, say are. It's not you have been, you used to be, you at one time. It's not you were, do you get that? It's present tense. Don't you know God is always, always has been and always will be present tense. Everything about God is present tense. And, he's, and this says you are, you are now, right here, right now, the God of miracles and wonders. You demonstrate, not you demonstrated, you used to demonstrate. One time back in the Bible, you demonstrated. It's like you demonstrate today, amen? He still is demonstrating today his awesome power on your behalf. And I just want you to know that this morning, that God is still a miracle working God. I wanna show you something I was studying uh, for the message and just kind of read through some things. I wanna, I wanna give this to you because I think it'll help us throughout the course of the series continue to build our faith and help us understand that God is still a miracle working God. Turn to John 14 for me. I've read this passage of scripture, I don't know, countless times, I've taught it many times, but something just struck me different this time as I was reading and studying it. I wanna give that to you, and you can probably study that out on your own a little bit, but let's just look at this for a moment. It says, don't you believe, and there were some questions asked Jesus, Thomas, of course, was asking questions, and uh, we, he, had some, he wasn't believing everything, so he asked some questions. Philip was asking some questions about direction, or if you're really God, or show us the Father then, and we'll know who you are, we'll know where to go. Here's Jesus' response. Don't you believe that I, that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? He's basically saying, hey, we're one. The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. So he's implying I speak on God's authority. That's good news for you and I. Rather, listen to this, it's the Father living in me who is doing his work. Now listen to this right here. It's the Father living in me. Now understand, a few scriptures before this, Jesus says, no one gets to the Father except through me. So if Jesus is saying that the Father is living in me and Jesus is living in you and I, then the Father is living in you and I, amen? Now you need to know that, that's important. For everyone that has called upon the name of the Lord to be saved, not only you have Jesus living in you through the Holy Spirit, it's the same as having the Father inside of you. Now here's what he says, it's the Father living in me who is doing his work. Now that's huge, because I think we get this mixed up. God is in you to do his work, not your work. Come on, his work, not your work. And his work is miracles. 
His work is the impossible. His work is the unbelievable. His work is the unexplainable. His work is love and power and in might. Listen, I'm so glad he's doing his work because I just don't know that my work sometimes would be the right work to do. <laughs> you know, sometimes I get mad and those times where I, you know, want to call fire down on somebody. I'm glad it's not my work he's working on, right? Or whatever that is. Sometimes I obviously cannot understand every situation. I'm glad because I know there's times if he was doing my work, it would be the wrong work and the wrong thing. Aren't you glad? You know what his work is? His work is his word. Amen. That's how we need, and that's why we need to be in the word of God because he'll reveal his work and do and perform his work and his word. And so I love that. So I want you to know that. And it goes on to say this, he's doing his work. It goes on to say, believe me. And then when I say that I'm in the father and the father is in me, or at least, and I love this phrase, or at least, or if nothing else, or at the very least, believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Now when it says believe on the evidence of the works themselves, that means that there's something happening that people are seeing people are experiencing, right? Isn't that what evidence is? That's proof. So believe, hey, listen, he's saying, listen, Jesus saying, listen, at the very least, if nothing else, at the very, very least, at least believe that what you're seeing and experiencing yourself with your eyes and experiencing are from God. Believe that. Believe those are the works. But I love when he says at the very least, because that means to me there's something greater, isn't there? Then if this is at the very least, believe in what you're seeing, that it only can come from God doing his work in me and through me. And then he goes on to say this, what is the greater thing to believe? He says this, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me. Now understand, we love miracles. We long for, we want, we need, we pursue, we chase after miracles, and I get that. But I believe what this is saying to you and I is don't just chase after the miracle, chase after the miracle worker. Don't just love the idea of a miracle, love the miracle worker, amen? Amen. The greater thing is the one who performs the miracles. So we need to make sure that that's what's in our heart, that we're looking to God not just because we need something from God, but we're looking to God because of who he is, not what he can do for you and I. He is the miracle worker. And we need to be in pursuit or chase after or long for the miracle worker. And an outflow of that relationship will be miracles. In fact, it goes on to say this, believe in me, uh, whoever believes in me will do the works. Remember the works, the evidence or his work will do his work that he's been doing and they will do even greater things or greater works of his because I'm going to the father. Isn't that good news? You know what that means to me? Hey, listen, God's still doing miracles today. In fact, more miracles are being done today than ever in the history of time. Why? Because there's more believers on the planet believing and trusting in him that believe in him. Therefore, the Father is in them doing his work. Amen? In fact, we should, our lives should be marked with not just miracles like Jesus did. Our lives, according to this scripture, should be marked by greater miracles of his works in our hearts and lives. Amen? In fact, miracles just shouldn't surprise or shock us when they happen. We should be surprised and shocked when they don't happen. Why? Because we should be performing or walking in that same power and doing his work. And it'll happen the more we believe in him than the miracle, the more we pursue the miracle worker instead of the miracle, the more we'll see those things happen around in and, in and through our lives. Amen? I love that God is still doing miracles. In today's world, we shouldn't be surprised when miracles happen. We should be surprised when they don't. Let's go over our miracle story for today and 
You know, in thinking about miracle stories and, and wanting to convey what, what God wants to convey to everybody today and praying and looking and seeing and listening to the Holy Spirit, and, and just looking at miracles in general, do you realize that in the scriptures, Jesus performed 35 miracles? You can see 35 miracles that he performed. And you can study that out. You can go look them all up. But not only did he perform miracles, then his disciples, we know he originally commissioned 12, then he commissioned 72. And then when the Holy Spirit came and empowered people, and we saw all kinds of miracles happening in the church and through people in the church and followers of Jesus. So lots of miracles to study in the scripture. And so just listening and asking, God, what do you, what do you want be sh- to be shared? Because I'd love to talk about let's raise the dead. And we did already a couple weeks ago. I'd love to talk about the feeding of 5,000, which is really 20 plus thousand. Walking on water, that's pretty cool. Blind eyes being open, that's awesome. Deaf ears opening, lame people walking. We see all that through scripture. But I really felt that the first place we needed to start was uh, the the miracle Jesus performed in John 2. So if you can turn there, John chapter two, verse one. We're gonna read in that. And actually, this is the very first miracle that Jesus performed launching out his ministry. And I am thinking about a starting point and just really trying to be sensitive to the Lord. I was asking God, if you will, the question, why would you start with this miracle? I mean, if you're launching something, right? In today's world, if we're launching something, we're we're launching a new business, we're we're launching a new church, we're we're launching something new, a new adventure or venture or something like that, we wanna come out of the gate with the biggest splash we can, right? We want the biggest, greatest impact. We want to blow it out. We want everything to be incredible, amazing. We want everybody to know here we are, here's what we do. And so I'm thinking, wouldn't you just start with like raising the dead? Just raise the dead right at first. I mean, that's gotta, you know, how do you, wow, that guy just raised the dead. That's pretty awesome. That's not where he started. He started at a wedding, a wedding reception. And he didn't even intend, according to scripture, to really start there. But all of a sudden, this situation arises and Jesus is there and so he intervenes. And, and, and I love this idea because I think it's so powerful that Jesus started with just an everyday event and I think really we can apply it to everyday life. Uh, this miracle really gives us some powerful truths to live out our everyday lives. Again, surrounding a wedding, and weddings are very significant. The context of this miracle is a wedding setting, a reception rather, and, and re- understand that's, that's a significant time in anybody's life. That was then, that is today. And when you talk about weddings, it's so stressful. There's so much pressure associated with that. Now, I've not gone through the wedding planning. I know it one day I'll, I'll have to. Uh, haven't, well, maybe I don't have to. No, I'm just kidding. I'm praying again. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, so um, <laughs> I'm going through the wedding. I haven't gone through the wedding planning, but I've been a part of a lot of weddings and mostly as the officiant or helping in some capacity. And so I have been uh, um, part of a wedding, uh, helping with uh, some of the planning, if you will. Uh, I've helped run the ceremonies. I've done the ceremonies. I've, I've even refereed. <laughs> Can I tell you? I've refereed my moms and everybody else and bridezillas and all that kind of stuff, however you want to say that. I, I've done that. I've done it all. And, and, and it's been an interesting time for sure, but a wonderful time as well. I was, I was watching uh, the news the other day and uh, this statistic came up. It said the average cost of weddings today are over $36,000. That's the average cost of a wedding. Can you imagine the pressure, pressure and stress from all that? And, and you have little girls and moms that dream their whole life and you have dads that save their whole life, you're right? For, for all that. And can I tell you though, my faith is out there because I'm believing in miracles. I've built up my faith in miracles in particular with the wedding story right here. And I'm believing for a two for one. <laughs> I'm just, I don't know. And if that ever happens, that will be a great miracle that will make the book, honestly. I'm just, I'm believing for a two for one. But again, they just have to be perfect. There's something about the need to just, it has to go right. 
We've been dreaming about that. The difference in the story is it's not so much about the wedding ceremony as it is today. It's about the reception. And the reception is a big deal because understand the culture of the day that a reception could go from probably the minimum of three days to at least a week. And the reception was really something that, that was symbolic of status or importance or significance, which, which was a real deal back in that day. I mean, that if you had a poor reception or something happened at the reception, it could mark your family. It could mark who you are and how people would view you and see you in life. It's just the way the culture was. It would, it, they would look at them at a different place of respect in the community or disrespect in the community, depending how the reception went. It truly was a big deal. And if it was a negative reflection, it would stay with the, with the family forever. So here Jesus is on hand to help this family with things that affected them internally, not so much maybe an outward miracle, although he turned water to wine, but things that we would equate to an outward miracle, uh, like a sickness being healed or raising the dead, but something internally with this family. In other words, Jesus intervenes and performs a miracle to keep this family, this bride, this groom, from the pain and disappointment of unmet expectation. Now, I love the fact that Jesus started here because let's just be honest this morning, all of us at some way, shape, or form could possibly at this moment in time have some kind of pain or despair from unmet expectations. And really, that's every day of our life we have the opportunity to have that happen. And I love that Jesus is here to show us that nothing is insignificant in his eyes. Nothing is meaningless in his eyes. He wants to intervene in every area of your life, not just a crisis, Not just a bad diagnosis, not just a broken marriage. He wants to be in every area of your life in unmet expectation. Now, now there's a lot that could happen here, and I've done a lot of weddings, as I've said, and and so I've experienced a lot of things with with people trying to plan and the stress and strain of all that. Everything has to be perfect, and it has to be everything they ever dreamed of, and then you record it all, right? Can I tell you that the most nerve-wracking thing I do, the thing that makes me the most nervous is weddings, now, I love being a part of a wedding, but there's nothing I do. I, 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 funerals don't make me that nervous. I mean, talking in front of huge crowds or, or, or high-capacity leaders, that doesn't make me nervous at all. Weddings make me nervous because little girls have dreamed their whole life and moms and planned for this, and then it's all being recorded. So if you mess up, it's there forever, reminding everybody of your mistake. This is the way it is, you know, it's how it happens. In fact, uh, I love being a part of Wings. Friday night, my wife and I, we, we took our daughters and dropped them off somewhere, and so they were all surprised. We were alone. We, we're alone. We need to have a date then. <laughs> so we went to dinner to eat, and at the restaurant, um, the waitress at the end came up and said, I got some good news for you, and she said, someone paid for your bill. And that was a blessing to us. We were just like, wow, that's so great. And we were telling the lady, man, that is so nice. And, and can you tell us who it is? And she said, well, I can't really necessarily, but I can kind of point over in the area of the restaurant that they are see- they're seated. And so we snuck around, <laughs> trying to peek around, around the corner. And so we walked over to this table, had a few ladies sitting at the table and we noticed the one and we were like, thank you so much. That was such a huge blessing. It really was. It was nice for us to have a date and for someone to be so generous and kind. And we just know God's going to return that blessing back into them. And there was another lady sitting with her and she looked up at me and says, do I look familiar to you? And I said, well, you do look familiar, but I can't place a name with a face. And she goes, you married my husband and I 15 years ago. And I thought, man, next thing I'm just looking to see if there was still a ring on her finger. <laughs> like, how did I do? I was like, tie that. I try to tie it really tight. I don't know. 
but that's, you're part of that forever, right? I mean, it's just part of that. And so there's a lot of expectation and things that can happen in here. Uh, just some funny stories. Uh, I remember just in my own wedding, when, I, when we were getting married and it was time to go light the unity candle, I still don't know exactly how this happened, but I just happened to light the greenery on the table on fire. And I was like, I was so nervous, I don't know what happened. I lit it on fire. I remember one time I was doing a wedding and on the way there, I needed to get the communion elements and I'd forgotten grape juice. And I thought, well, no big deal. You can get grape juice anywhere. So I pulled into a Valero and went in to find some grape juice and they didn't have any grape juice. So I'm like, what am I going to do? And, uh, and so I got grape soda. <laughs> it was like, you should have seen the bride's face when she took a drink. I'm just like, just go with it. Just go with it. It's okay. It's grape. It's grape. It's okay. <laughs> I, did, I did another wedding. or uh, I did. I, I managed to get the grape juice and had it on the communion table and I felt so sorry. The bride and the groom went up to take communion and the bride actually hit the table, knocked it over and got the grape juice all over her gown. It's like, oh, I felt so bad. And just all these things can happen and it's, you don't know. It's like, oh my goodness and you want it to be so perfect. Those are just kind of funny stories but the point is in all this, at this moment in time, Jesus was on hand to intervene in a situation where maybe to other people, not such a big deal, but to that family, it meant the world. And I love that he starts with his first miracle to kind of launch out his uh, ministry by letting everybody know that everything is important to him. Everything. Everything in your regular everyday life is important to him. And we all face things every day in our life, if you will, where we have a chance for unmet expectations. And so I, I love that, the idea of Jesus being there because have you ever been there? Have you ever been in that place? Have you ever been in a place where what you've hoped for, what you've prayed for, what you planned for didn't turn out the way that you thought or wanted? That thing that you believed for and asked other people to stand on your behalf and you had scriptures that you were declaring and you had those things and it didn't turn out the way that you want or that you thought? Proverbs 13, 12 says this. Let's take a look in the scripture. Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred or unmet expectations make the heart sick. Unmet expectations make the heart sick. Or or in other words, uh, living a life with unmet expectations can cause a sickness in our soul and our emotions. Have you ever been there? Where all of a sudden you find that you've been discouraged and disappointed because of something happened that you didn't plan or that you expected something completely different and you have an opportunity to fall into despair or depression, worry, stress, fear. This miracle says to you and I that Jesus wants to be involved in every area of our life, every day, all day, and especially when you're facing times of unmet expectation. Now, I know not everybody has needed a a, a miraculous uh, healing, perhaps. I know not everyone has needed some kind of miraculous restoration of their marriage. I know not everyone has needed maybe a miraculous uh, uh, financial blessing, but I'll bet everyone here has faced or is facing a real struggle with unmet expectations. And maybe it's the job. Maybe it's the job and you thought, I'm gonna apply for that job, look at this opportunity, and you're praying and asking God, and if I just get this job, God, this is gonna set my family up, we're gonna be able to get out of this debt, we're gonna be able to find some freedom, we're gonna be able to just be at a different place for my family, and you didn't get it. Or maybe you did have a job and everybody else around you is getting laid off and you're saying, God, I know, I know that you're gonna help keep me in this place for my family, and all of a sudden you got laid off and you didn't expect it. And maybe it's in your marriage and all of a sudden that years down the road you're married and you thought it would be different. You didn't thought, you you never thought that you'd fight like this. You never thought that you would say the things you said to each other. You never thought that you would drift away and sleep in separate rooms or be strangers. You never thought and you can't imagine how that happened. Unmet expectations can bring sickness and despair to our soul. And Jesus is there to intervene on our behalf, amen? He is there to work and move 
on those places of hopelessness. He is there. Maybe you're the one that would even say, I thought I'd be married by now. I thought I'd have a family. I thought I'd have kids. See, truth be known, we could go around this room and we can all probably rattle off a few things here. And again, I just want to let you know, if I've just described you, you're in the right place. And we're looking at the right story and we serve the right savior, amen? But we have opportunities almost daily for unmet expectations to turn into hopelessness. And that's why this miracle is so amazing to me. And that's why I love that he starts with it, kind of setting the tone for his life and ministry. And so problems come up and, and here a problem comes up, no, no more wine at the reception. Now the Jewish culture had a saying, and let me read it for you. It says, when the wine runs out, so does the joy. <laughs> when the wine runs out, so does the joy. And I just, someone shouted amen in the first service. I'm not sure who that was, but I told them we have a life group, whoever you are, we got a life group for you. <laughs> and this is a Jewish saying, not a scripture. So don't write this on your mirror. It's not your life verse. Okay. It's just a saying. It's just a saying. Okay. All right, so in the scripture, but, in, but notice in the scripture, wine is symbolic of joy. When you look and study at the scripture, wine is symbolic of joy. Wine is symbolic of new life. Wine is symbolic of refreshing. So think of it in those terms. So when unmet expectation comes in, it can cause us to lose our joy. And the Bible says the joy of the Lord is my And we understand when unmet expectations come in our life, it can cause us to lose our refreshing it can cause us even, can steal our life away, drain or suck the life out of us. And you can feel like your life has been drained or you can feel burned out or you're running on empty or your dreams have been shattered or you're unfulfilled or you're angry or depressed. Again, if I just described you, you're in the right place. These are typically things we tend to try and handle or think we can handle, but Jesus says, I'm there to handle them for you. And so uh, what happens when we don't deal with unmet expectations. What happens when we find ourselves? Let me give you a couple things. Number one, if we don't deal with unmet expectations, we focus on feelings instead of faith. We focus on feelings instead of faith. The problem is when we focus on our feelings long enough, everything around us then becomes our reality. Have you ever, maybe you can't, you don't recognize it in yourself, but maybe you have a friend or a friend said this to you. It's like you're living at this place with unmet expectations, which then causes hopelessness or despair or depression. And all of a sudden you're talking about things and your friend's like, well, that's not right. Well, where did you get that? And all of a sudden what has happened is we've focused so much on our feelings. It has become our reality. What a dangerous place it can be because if our feelings then become our reality, then we start believing things like this. Well, this is just how it's always gonna be. It's not really gonna get better. Never meant to get better. Maybe that's just not for me. Maybe that's the way it is and the way it always will be. And can I tell you, that's a big lie from the devil. Can I tell you, that's a big fat lie from the devil. That's not, that's, that's the furthest thing from the truth. So we need to be careful with our unmet expectations because if we focus more on our feelings and our faith, we can get into that place. Now, if you remember, if you were here last week, I talked about that. What you focus on, you feed. You choose. You choose to focus on feelings or you choose to focus on Jesus who's come to intervene on our behalf. And remember, we as believers believe what the word says, not what we see, feel, or hear. It's about the character and nature of God, really, isn't it? Really, our faith is about the character and nature of God. And as we said last week, our faith really is a reflection of how much we believe God loves us. 
Our faith is not about how much we love God, it's about how much God loves us. And when we can settle that fact in our heart and our lives, and it's, and it's getting into a place where we're spending more time in the word and more time with other believers and more time uh, studying, following, pursuing the character and nature of God than feelings and emotions. And the more that we do that, the more faith we grow and can walk in. Faith is not, and I wanna say this, because when we talk about faith, people that have different ideas about faith, I've had some discussions about faith, Faith is not denying your current reality. It's just acknowledging there's a higher power. It's not denying your current reality. It's acknowledging there's a higher power. It's not denying the facts that the doctor gave you, but it's taking the facts and putting them underneath the truth of God's word. Amen? The facts are the fact, but the truth is the truth, and this is what I choose to believe. And so we are people of faith. And so, in fact, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says this, for we live by faith, not by sight. We live by our understanding of the character and nature of God. We live by our understanding of how much he loves us, no matter what's going on in our life. We need to live with an understanding that Jesus came to meet our unmet expectation to help us stay away from trouble in our soul, depression and despair. You know, here's another tip for you. Don't look to see what's missing in this story. We, we see the, the wine is around. Don't look to see what's missing, but look for the good around you. The wine is gone, but two people just got married. They're gonna start a new life together. There's amazing possibilities. It's like, oh man, the wine just ran out. And the bride and groom are over there celebrating. It's like, let's go, this place, this thing's lame. This is it, this is over. These people are terrible. These people, they're marked for the rest of their lives in this village. It's like, whatever, look, these people just got married and have a great future. You know what? That sounds silly, but that's what we do. We look at what's missing and not what's around us and celebrate the good. Focus on the good instead of what's missing. Uh, number two, we'll tend to take matters in our own hands. We take matters in our own hands. And this is what Jesus, his mother does. Fortunately, Jesus was there to intervene but that's just showing that there's a tendency to do that. John 2, verses three through five says this. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. And Jesus says, woman, why do you involve me? And Jesus replied, my, and, and Jesus also says, my hour has not come yet. He's not ready to start his ministry per se. In fact, if you study this out, he has five of seven of his disciples with him, following him. So he's not really ready to launch out in his ministry. And his mom comes to him and, and says, there's no more wine, you need to do something about it. It's like, why are you involving me? I'm not ready to do anything. And then the next verse says this. Then his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Can I just say, I love this mom's response. She doesn't even listen to him, right? Why, what do I have to do this for? She just moves on and keeps going. It's like, I already told you, I don't need to explain that. But if you want, let me tell you why, you're the son of God, you can do anything. And then you're, still, you're 30 years old, still living at home and you got five guys you brought with you. Go get something done, right? She didn't really say that. Forgive me, Lord. I, I don't know if that was bad or what, but. <laughs> I don't know. But, but, you know, I love his mom just went and started talking to the servants. I've already, you know, laid it out there. But you know what I think is cool here, parents? Let me, let me say this, and let me say this to, to, to young people. Listen, you know what? Jesus is still alive on the planet. So he knows Old Testament. You know, and the Old Testament says that if you honor your father and it will go well with you. Amen. Come on, moms. Yeah. Right there. Mom laid it out there and then moved on. And let me tell you, young people, Jesus obeyed. Okay, I'm not ready, mom, but okay, I'm gonna honor you. 
I love that. I think that's awesome. So anyway, take that to heart there. And, and, and it goes on to say this. Did we do verse five? That, maybe that was already verse five. His mother said to the servant, okay, here we go. Do whatever he tells you. She just turned and didn't have any more discussion. And so she was taking matters in her own hand, but Jesus was there to intervene. And so I love that. James 1.4 says this about taking matters in your own hand. Let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Don't get ahead of God. Don't get ahead of what God wants to do. Sometimes we limit God. Sometimes we're doing something he has no intention of doing. And we think, we're, let me help you out, God. He's like, I got a better plan than that. You need to be very careful about that. Look at Isaiah 30, 15. Here's what it says. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. In rest, rest, trust. You just got to be willing to wait patiently on the Lord sometimes and allow him to move and work. Let me give you another thing, the final thing here. If we don't deal with unmet expectations, we exaggerate the negative. We take the molehill and turn it into a mountain. We focus on the negative. Our human tendency when we have unmet expectations is to exaggerate the negative. In fact, we'll say things like this. Well, he never. Well, she never. He always. She always, you know, I like to say that, really never, never, ever in the history of their life, ever, always, every single, and that's a little sarcastic, but you understand where I'm coming from. It's exaggerating the negative, but that's where we get with unmet expectations, but that's our life. But Jesus says, I love this first miracle, says I came to intervene in your everyday life for every single one of us. Internal and unmet expectations can destroy our lives and our relationships. So let me give you four principles to live by. Four principles to live by for your miracle when dealing with unmet expectation. Number one, do what Jesus says to do. Here's an earth-shattering, deep, real deep water revelation for you, right? We're going really deep. Do what Jesus says to do. Obey. Obey him. You know, this sounds so simplistic, and it is, but it's so powerful, and I'm amazed at myself and other people, but understand, I'm always amazed at how many of us are out looking for the supernatural, how many of us are out looking for our miracle, how many of us are out looking for the newest revelation, the next revelation, I need a word from God, and you may, and I believe in all that, but really, if we just start to obey what God's already told us, we'd be at a whole nother place. I mean, he's already showed us and told us things that we are not doing, if we're completely honest, that if we would do it, would change our situation. You realize just doing the word of God changes your situation? You don't even cry out and call out for a miracle sometimes. Just do the word. (laughs) It's like, I'll I'll say it this way. My wife and I, we just started trying to get a little healthier. We're we're, we're been exercising and eating better. And and we can already just in a couple days feel the difference. And can I tell you, if you exercise and and you eat right, you get sick less (laughs) if we eat right and exercise, we'll have less trips to the doctor, we'll have less trips to the ER. Oh, if we'll just follow the word of God a bit more, we'll have less trips to the doctor, Jesus, (laughs) and to the ER. And thank God that he'll move and work. But listen, come on, guys. We need to walk this word out. That's why it was given to us. And isn't that what we want from our kids? I mean, we're talking about our heavenly father and we're his children. It's like, my kids will come and ask something or want something. And I'm like, what did you do with what I already gave you? Hey, you didn't even do what I told you to do last week. We're not gonna do this. The guy's not any different. He's like, hey, listen. Now, thank God for his mercy and grace. Don't get me wrong here. But listen, there's a whole lot of things we can avoid. And if you don't believe me, let's take a look at Deuteronomy 28, one through 13. 
going to read this. So I need to take a big drink of water. So bear with me. You'll want to mark this in your Bible. This is about the power of just being obedient to the word. Listen, if you fully obey, say obey, the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on the earth. That sounds pretty great, but it gets better. All these blessings, what blessings? We're gonna read them, will come on you. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey, say obey, obey the Lord your God. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed and the crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks. Your basket and your kneading trial will be blessed. You'll be blessed when you come in. You'll be blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They'll come at you one direction. They'll flee from you seven. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he is giving you. The Lord will establish you as his holy people as he promised you on, the, on, on oath. If you keep the commands, if you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in obedience, say obedience. Obedience, obedience to him. Then all the peoples of the earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they will fear you. Then the Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb, the land, of the young of your livestock and the crops of your ground in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty to send rain on your land in season and to bless all the works of your hands. You will, be, you will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail if you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them. Listen to this. You will always be at the top and never at the bottom. Come on. Oh, yeah. I'm going to pray for that. I'm a pastor. Could you lay hands on me for that one? I want to get in that small group and have them all pray for me. I, I want, I want them to have a meeting. I want the elders. I, I want to pray for that. I'm like, no, just do the word. <laughs> just obey the word of God. And we'll pray for you, but you know what we'll pray for? I'll pray for that. You do the word of God. Because <laughs> obedience brings the blessing. In fact, the Bible says that obedience, the blessings of God will overtake you. It's pursuing you when you're obeying the word of God. And let me give you a real simple illustration and how just being obedient to the word of God will, will help you get out of situations where you need a miracle and help get you out of things. People think the answer, and this is just a simple illustration, to financial struggles or insecurity is things like buying lottery tickets, get rich quick schemes, Texas Hold'em, <laughs> another credit card, another loan, let me tell you, the, the way to get out of your financial struggle and insecurity, it's not by cheating, lying, or stealing. It's by bringing the tithe into the storehouse. Being obedient to the word of God. It's in the word. It's, it's being obedient to the word of God. And the result is that he opens the windows of heaven and pours forth a blessing you cannot contain. He rebukes the devourer for your sake. And he makes sure your fruit doesn't fall from the vine before it's time. Just be obedient. And it'll get you out of it. I had some good friends of ours and they do a great job and they teach this. They said this one time, it was amazing. I thought it was amazing. I never heard it before. They have an acronym for the word debt, D-E-B-T, doing everything but tithing. It's a great revelation. You know, it's basically saying, do the word, do the word. See, we look to Jesus for the solutions, but we need to be obedient. But when you operate the biblical principles, you see biblical results. 
It's the truth. They produce. They have to. Because God does not lie. What about relationships? Love never fails. Right? Be obedient to the word in your relationships. Love never fails. Do whatever he tells you, his mom told him. Let's look at Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 real quick. Here's what it says. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, my ways are higher than your ways, my thoughts higher than your thoughts. If you're waiting to do something until you understand it, you'll never get your miracle. He's not asking you to understand, he's asking you to trust and obey. And if we try to bring God down to our level of understanding, then we've made him way too small. We've limited him. Don't limit God. James 2.17 says this. In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Amen? We need to do the word. Uh, Number two, principle. Look for what God wants to do in you. Let me be very clear. God does not bring you the challenge or the storm. When you look at his character and nature in the New Testament, you cannot see that. But in the midst of the storm, he will deliver you. But at the meantime, he will also help you grow and mature. In fact, it's of great benefit to you and I to grow and mature in the midst of our storm because number one, when we come out the other side, we will face another storm at some point in time, but maybe this time through what we learned, we'll manage it better. It won't rock our boat so hard. And number two, there's other people around our life every single day that will need us to help them or coach them through their storm, just like hopefully somebody was there to help coach you through your storm. So God doesn't bring the storms in our life or the challenges, the struggles or, or the problems. But in the midst of that, while he's getting you to the other side, you need to ask him, Lord, what can I learn in the midst of this? Because I'm, I know I'm coming out of it and I want to grow and learn everything I can because I'll face another storm. I know and I'll overcome it even better. But I know I can help a whole bunch of people that are going through storms as well. So learn what you can in the midst of the storm. He wants to teach us something. So John 2, 6 through 7 says this. Let's take a look at this real quick. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars, the ceremonial washing jars up with water. So they filled them to the brim. Now that's interesting to me. Why didn't he, because this would make complete sense to me. Why didn't Jesus tell the servants to go get the empty wine jars? There has to be lots of them because they're out of wine. They're probably laying around everywhere. Hey, you know what, guys? Go get the wine jars and go fill them with water. That's kind of what my thought process would be. But listen, he's always trying to teach us something beyond what we normally see. So understand the purpose of the six or the ceremonial washing pots was there was so much religion, there was so much, so many rituals, there were so many things that they were required to do. Ceremonial washing was something that was very meticulous and they had to do based on their belief system and, and there were specific ways to do it all. But I believe why Jesus said, take the old dead religious ceremonial aspect and go fill it with a new wine. Amen. I think what he's saying is like, hey, let's move beyond the old ways and let's move into the new relationship. It's not about dead and dying religion. It's about new living relationship with Jesus. Amen. But even beyond that, when we come out of a challenge of unmet expectations, we should come out different than how we went in. We should come out new and not still struggle with the old in a sense. We should come out, my new is closer to God. I'm going to love you more. I'm going to serve you more. I'm going to, I'm going to sing more for you. I'm not going to be the old person that I was. I'm not going to go back into that old way. He wants us to come out of the old and into the new when we do that. I I, I love this idea. Let's take the old religion and put some new life in it. In the midst of unmet expectation, let's trust him more. Let's draw closer to him. Let's learn to hear his voice better. Let's take the old us and sing a little louder. 
Let's take the old us and raise our hands a little higher. Let's take the old us and pray a little longer. Let's take the old us and read a little bit more. Let's take the place where we're currently at and draw a little closer and go a little deeper with him. Let's pour some new wine into some old ceremonial water pots. <laughs> Let's take the old religion and put some new life in it. Let's take the old dead playing church and put some new passion in it. Come on. Let's take the old dead routine. I just get up on Sunday morning, I come sing three or four songs, I listen to a message and go home. Let's take all that and let's just come before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and let's experience some new wine in our hearts and our lives. Let's come in an old way and leave out a new way. Change and transform. In the midst of our unmet expectations, we need to get up out of our complacency. We need to get up out of our depression. We need to get up out of our comfort zone. And let's put some new wine into our old ceremonial wine pot or water pots. I love that. First Peter 1, 6 through 7 says this. And this you'll greatly rejoice, for now for a little while, if need be, you have uh, grieved by various trials. You've experienced some things. But that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes through it tested by fire may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Let's learn something. God did not create the storms in our life, but let's grow in our faith and godly character through it. He needs us to grow in our faith and godly character because we'll face storms again and he needs us to help other people. Number three, believe the unbelievable. Believe the unbelievable. Where has our belief in the impossible gone? Where where has it gone? What has happened to our belief in the impossible? Somewhere along the line, the church as a whole had settled for a safer form of Christianity where we think we have to apologize or make excuses for what happens or doesn't happen. Somehow the world has infiltrated our hearts and minds where now we're almost apologetic for the stance or belief that we have. What has happened with believing in the impossible? What is happening with believing the unbelievable? Sometimes now we pray for people, we lay hands on the sick and we're, we're, we're praying prayers that are like say, well, okay, so if God, God, we're believing God's gonna heal you, but if he doesn't, oh, somehow we need to get back to believing the unbelievable and believing for the impossible and not worry what the word says, not worry what, what the world says, the world rather, not, not worry what people think or legislation or, or popular or cultural thought. That we, what happened? What happened to daring to believe no matter what for the miracles, whether we get them or not? And you know, can I say this? What do you have to lose? <laughs> what do you have to lose to believe for the impossible? I had somebody tell me one time, well, if you get people on all that faith stuff and they're trying to believe God and God doesn't move the way they thought they don't get their healing or whatever that is, and that happens, then, then you've just devastated them or just devastated. And I'm like, no, no, we're not. But I'd rather believe for a God that will do a miracle than not. What do I have to lose? I'm already hurting, I'm already in pain. What do I have to lose? You have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Dare to believe the unbelievable. Don't let the world make us water it down because we don't want to offend anybody. When do our prayers become negotiations with God? If it be your will, would you please, maybe me, maybe it's my time, or if not God, that's okay. When do we stop praying big, audacious prayers that believe God for the unbelievable? We pray for people and circumstances and ways that if nothing happens the way we think it should, it's no big deal. Or we can explain it. Or we're not put on the spot. Hey, listen, I don't have to defend God when I pray for anybody. If I lay hands on someone that's sick and they don't get healed, I don't have to make excuses for God. I don't have to defend God. That's up to God, but I'm gonna pray for healing every single time. I'm gonna pray for miracles every single time and I'll leave God to defend him, who he is. What's happened? 
believe the unbelievable. Why do we pray prayers in a way that if the answer is not immediate, it's okay, or we feel we have to explain something? Who cares? God doesn't need me to explain anything for him. I just need to believe he can do the unbelievable and the rest is up to him. Hey, we need to quit negotiating with the devil. You know, could you just let up a little bit, Mr. Devil? Could you just give us a little bit of a break? Or how about things like this? Well, at least my kids, they may be doing drugs, but at least they're not in jail. How about we just pray for complete deliverance in Jesus' name? We settle for absolute complete deliverance in Jesus' name. I'm just, they're doing this, but it could be worse. My husband's drinking a little bit, but it could be worse. Well, I feel a little bit better, but it could be worse. My marriage, but it could be worse. Hey, how about we start believing for total, complete healing, restoration, deliverance, everything? How you feeling today? Well, I'm about 75%, so I'm glad, I'm good. I'm a, hey, how about saying, I may be at 75%, I'm believing for the other 25. It's coming in Jesus' name. Unmet expectations, Jesus came. There's no negotiating with the enemy. No negotiating with the enemy. Believe the unbelievable, God is bigger than your problem. Amen? I, I, got, I got to keep moving. Okay. Um, let me give you number four. Expect the best. Expect the best. You, you remember in the story, the, the servants went and they filled the wine, they, rather they filled the water pots up with water. It turned into wine. They took it to the master of ceremonies. And he said this, he drank it and said, wow, to the bridegroom. He says, hey, most people bring the bad stuff out at the end. Everybody drink the good stuff. And when they're good and drunk, they can't tell. So we bring the bad stuff out. But you saved the best for last. You know what I think you and I need to do is expect the best from our God. Expect the best from our God. Why should we not expect the best? Why should we not believe for our miracle? He loves us. He's no respecter of persons. We need to quit apologizing for believing God and taking him at his word. We need to quit apologizing for being Christians like it's a bad thing. We need to quit apologizing for believing for a miracle even when we haven't seen it for years. We need to quit apologizing. We need to expect the best. Why? Because he gave the best. He gave the best. Jesus was God's best. And he gave him. Why do we expect ourselves for anything less than God's best? Did he not already give us his best in Jesus? Well, if we can make it through one day without fighting, how about total restoration? Well, if my kids would just quit doing this or that, how about total deliverance? Well, if I could just feel better tomorrow, how about total healing today? How about him not just putting a Band-Aid on your broken heart, but healing it and restoring it completely. Expect the best. Ephesians 3, 20 through 21, I gotta close, I've gone over. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever and ever and ever and ever will be amen. He is able and he wants to intervene in your everyday life and address the unmet expectations that you deal with and struggle with every day he is a good and faithful god amen we hope that you enjoyed this message you can find more messages and information about tree of life church at treeoflifechurch.org we'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 ih35 south in new braunfels texas or you can watch us on live stream Thank you again for listening.